Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Hi, everyone. And thank you so much, Tara. Uh, please, will you keep that passage open in front of you as we take a look at it. Uh, my name's Madush, if we haven't met. Uh, let us pray as we listen to God's words. Our God and Father, these are your words of life and truth. Will you give us receptive hearts and minds as we hear them? Renew us by your spirit and help us to stand in your power. Amen. I vividly remember the very first time I went paintballing. It is really great fun. You get to shoot your best mates without doing any serious harm. What could be better? Uh, but the very first time I went, I got a real shock. Uh, my gun jammed as I walked out into the arena. And I foolishly kind of just stood out there in the open trying to figure out what was wrong with it. Predictably, I got hit. And I was stunned because it was a lot more painful than I expected. Uh, but I was a bit too surprised and shock and confusion, not quite sure what to do. I could have ended the pain immediately by kind of acknowledging that I was dead, but I didn't. I continued to like try and work out what was wrong. And so I kept getting hit again and again. Uh, and the pain threshold was kind of just increasing. <laughs> And eventually, once my brain started to process what was going on, uh, the only thing I could think of to do was dive down behind the closest barrier I could find and just hear these bullets just thud against that barrier in complete terror. 
Mercifully, the assault ended quickly. It didn't last forever. But I learned from that. Uh, the next time I went along, I got better gear. And now I could feel when I was hit and respond, but the armor protected me, and that cleared my mind. It gave me the confidence to stand my ground, and then in coordination with my team to kind of advance and to capture the flag. In battle, in a real battle, having the right equipment makes all the difference. Ephesians has been showing us the reality of who we are as God's people and our place in God's plan. The unseen world has been a feature right throughout, but here it comes into the foreground. God wants us to know that there is a battle raging and we are caught right in the middle of it. His encouragement comes in verse 10. It is, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, the Christian life is a raging battleground. God wants us to be very clear that we are at war. It's a war for our hearts. And he wants us to know who the enemy is. It's not each other. It is powerful spiritual beings who are led by the devil. And he wants us to be equipped in this fight so that we can stand. Take a look at how serious the opposition is. At the end of verse 11, we stand against the devil's schemes. And verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These are powerful spiritual beings who have real authority and influence over the world and its people. Now, if that sounds scary, it's because it's meant to. The devil is a very real, very powerful opponent far too powerful for us to take on in our own strength. Now, the tendency in Western culture is to ridicule the idea of an actual devil, the idea of this cosmic being who we can't see or feel or touch, but somehow promotes evil in this world. It sounds far-fetched, superstitious. It's hard enough to contend with the idea of a good God whom we can't see. Throw in the devil and you just tip it over into the realm of completely ridiculous. Well, we can't deny the reality of evil in the world. The scale and the depth of the wickedness we encounter is horrific. If you believe that what you can see and touch is all there is, then you have no rational basis for being shocked or outraged when you encounter evil. What we call evil then just has to be an emotional response to something dangerous, perhaps triggered by evolutionary biology. 
But the Bible offers us a, a richer and deeper explanation that allows us to recognize the profound reality of evil and the spiritual forces that lie behind it. And these are not new ideas in Ephesians. Uh, take a quick uh, journey with me. In chapter 1, verse 3, God's people are blessed in the heavenly realms. That is part of our present experience. In chapter 1, verse 20, Christ is raised and is seated at the right hand of the Father, again, in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. That is all a description of these evil spirits. Chapter 2, verse 2, introduced us to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's the devil or Satan. In chapter 2, verse 6, God raises us to new life, and he seats us with Christ in the heavenly realms. Again, that's our present experience. If you're a Christian, if you are trusting in Jesus, then that is presently where you are seated. The blessings you enjoy in him are a present reality, even though you cannot see or touch them. In chapter 3, verse 10, the church is the showcase of Christ's perfections. We reveal God's wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It's the same rulers and authorities, these evil spirits. See, Ephesians has been showing us that there is a spiritual reality behind the scenes of what we can perceive. God reveals that reality to us so that we have no doubt about our new identity in him or about the battle that we are engaged in. Now what's more, verse 12, this conflict takes place in this dark world. In some respects, you could describe the world that we live in as Satan's playground. They are sights and sounds and tastes that dazzle us and lure us into sin. He would have us believe that those things are better than what God promises, that they can satisfy where God disappoints. The stuff in the world is real to us, while the things of heaven seem far away and intangible. You can't see them or touch them or taste them. And so this world has a powerful pull on our hearts. Ephesians is showing us that the world is allied with the devil and our sinful desires in this battle. It's important that we know what we're up against if we are to stand. So let's get this straight. We are not talking about some sort of figurative battle in Ephesians 6. It's not time to pull out Rachel Platten. This is my fight song. 
I would, I would sing it, but I'm not very good at singing. My power's turned on. Starting right now, I'll be strong. Now, this is real. This is heart-pounding, people-bleeding, life-and-death stuff. But unlike Hollywood, these enemies don't come visible displaying their colors. It's not like in The Lord of the Rings where the bad guys are orcs. This, you know, they're horrible, misshapen creatures that embody evil. They clearly look like the bad guys. Now, the battle that we are in looks very ordinary. It is a battle for our hearts that takes place around us every day. In our office corridors, in classrooms, in hospital waiting rooms, in our own homes. And so there's a warning here not to let the ordinariness lull you into a false sense of security. One of the devil's greatest tricks is to make us believe that he's not really there. Because when you think he's not there, you're not prepared to stand against him. It's the middle of the week, early in the morning. We have dragged ourselves out of bed. We're feeling bone tired. The anxieties of the day are already pressing in. Everything's rushed at that hour. We're just trying to get everyone dressed, bags packed, and out the door. And so we are short with each other, impatient, irritable, careless with our words. Our tendency at that time is to see each other as the enemy. God says, no. The true enemy of our souls, the liar who wants us to believe his lies, is prowling in such moments. He's there when we are particularly susceptible to attack. He's there when anxiety overwhelms, when disappointment crushes, when loneliness makes us despair. Will we stand in those moments, trusting God, clinging to what is true? Or will we give in to his lies and act to satisfy our sinful desires? Ephesians has been clear right from the start. You cannot do it in your own strength. Instead, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Our opponent is far too powerful for us to take on. In our strength, we will lose. But he is no match for the immensely greater power of God. Christ has conquered. He is seated on his throne far above all rule and authority. He has won the decisive victory. And so while the devil still rages against us, we are not alone. We can be strong because God equips us for the battle. Verse 13, therefore, 
because all of that is true, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. We stand by putting on God's armor. That's what he's equipped us with. Our obedience, our living as children of light, rests on the finished work of Christ in our place. The armor of God is literally God's armor. It's armor that he has worn in the decisive battle on our behalf. We fight and stand firm against the devil only in the strength that comes from the victory that Christ has won for us. Each piece of that armor points to Christ. The imagery here comes first from the prophet Isaiah. The belt of truth is worn by the messianic king. The breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation belong to the divine warrior. The feet decked with gospel readiness are the feet of those who proclaim the Messiah's kingdom. God himself is the shield of faith. And the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, is the weapon that the promised servant of the Lord wields. God clothes us in nothing less than the armor that Christ wore in his victorious battle against our enemy. Now, the call here is not to don the armor because that's what Jesus would do in a similar situation. No. The call is to wear the armor because that is what Jesus has already done for us. Each of those specific temptations that we've given into this week, lust, greed, pride, anger, unwholesome talk, Christ has faced that in our place. But he went further. He laid down his life, winning the victory that poured out God's Spirit in your life. The Spirit who changes you more and more into his likeness. The same power, the very same power that raised Jesus from dead is now at work in you through God's Spirit. That is strength. That is where the power to stand comes from. Now, we saw a couple of weeks ago how being filled with the Spirit looks pretty ordinary. In the same way, taking up God's armor and standing in this fight looks pretty ordinary. Let's consider the armor piece by piece. The belt of truth. In Ephesians, we are included in God's plan by hearing and believing the truth. It's as we speak the truth in love with each other that the church is built up until we reach maturity and we are filled to fullness. That produces lives characterized by truth. And so putting on the belt of truth is about listening to the truth of Scripture, being shaped by it, 
speaking and singing it with each other so that together we become like our Father. The breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians, God chooses us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. He then recreates us in Christ to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And again, that produces righteousness in our lives. We develop a new desire to live holy lives that are pleasing to God. The gospel of peace. Ephesians reminds us that God himself is our peace. He reconciles us to himself and to each other. We are members of one body. He's the head. We're bricks in the building in which he lives. Fellow citizens. His beautiful bride. Those are all images of our unity from this book. We don't have to be resigned to conflict with the people around us. There is real hope of lasting peace in Christ. The shield of faith. Ephesians proclaims that in God's grace, we are saved through faith. It's the gift of God. And Christ then comes to live in us through that same faith. Here, the shield of faith puts out the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith takes refuge in God. He's our shield. He's our protector. He's the one who guards us against lies, accusations, fear, and despair. The helmet of salvation. Ephesians reminds us of our new identity as those who have been saved by grace. We are now in Christ, our Savior. That union with him is the basic truth of our new lives. And so the helmet of salvation calls us to remember this new identity. So that as we've been saying for the last few weeks, we can be what we've become. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That reminds us of the activity of God's Spirit, how he applies all the benefits of Jesus' saving work to us. It reminds us how being filled with the Spirit looks like speaking and singing the truth of the gospel to each other. Gospel change starts with God's word. His truth teaches us, and it changes us to live new lives. Now, that was a lot, and it was quick. But all of that was just a long-winded way of showing you that what God's armor represents is simply the truth that we've been seeing through Ephesians. Another way of saying it would be, live now in line with God's plan. Or, rely on God's power 
as you stand against the evil one. How? By putting on the truth. That's God's plan. That is how we stand. That is how God has equipped us to stand. It's a close to 900 mile journey from Johannesburg to Cape Town, uh, to large cities back home. I've driven that route a number of times. The middle stretch of that route is dead straight. And if you're familiar with the terrain, it is basically featureless. So when you're on that stretch, you're literally just sitting there driving and nothing changes around you for hour after hour after hour. That hour after hour monotony lulls you to sleep. I have nearly dozed off more than once. Uh, caffeine and breaks are not enough to keep you going on that stretch. And so now, I always plan to drive it with someone else so that they can talk to me while we're going. And we can take turns at the wheel. The war we're in is a little bit like that. Any war is mostly waiting, ask a soldier, it is mostly waiting, broken by intense periods of frantic activity. And when those intense periods come, if you are not alert, you will not stand. Those hours of monotony on the road are broken when you doze off, or when a truck appears in front of you and you have to get around it. If you are not alert at those moments, disaster will come. And so to drive home our dependence in this battle, we are called to stay alert through prayer. Look at verse 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people and also for me. So we've been urged through this section to rely on God's power by putting on the truth that's in Jesus. That's why we're here called to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers because we are wholly dependent on our Father who exercises his mighty power for us. On our own, we will fall asleep at the wheel and we will be swept away by the enemy. We are dependent and we express that dependence through prayer. You'll also notice in verse 19 and 20 that the content of that prayer, what, what the apostle here is asking for, is focused on speaking the truth, on proclaiming the gospel. Because it is only as we grasp the truth that's in Jesus that we can be renewed and strengthened. That's how the church of God is built. Gospel living 
gospel standing looks at its most basic like speaking the truth in love with each other as we prayerfully look to God. Pin your hopes, pin your hopes on his incomparably great power for us who believe. We're in a war for our hearts. The enemy is the devil, and we can stand only in God's power as we put on the truth. That's internalizing it, living in light of it. Right now, the battle looks quite ordinary. It's mundane. It's not Hollywood. But one day, one day, at the end of this war, what seemed mundane will be revealed as something glorious, something more dramatic than any movie can depict. We will stand with our great captain in victory, celebrating his glorious grace with shouts of joy. So now, move steadily forward. Remember your dependence. Pray to him. Put on the truth until we reach eternity. Let me close for us in prayer. Father in heaven, we want to stand in the battle for our hearts. Strengthen us as we make the truth of the gospel our own. Help us to live it and help us to speak it to each other. Amen.